Comparison is the thief of joy. Theodore Roosevelt. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 No kings, no way. Around here, we like to use the hashtag, we build machines. However, I'm acutely aware that you could just as often substitute it with the hashtag, we build monsters. And I don't mean that in a positive way. Anytime that you're working to build up bodies and spirits and to help people break into new personal levels, it's inevitable that some egos will overinflate. They'll grow bigger and bigger, heavier and more cumbersome, and eventually, those Hindenburgian egos will come crashing down. And it's going to hurt. Let me start by saying this. I've never had a bad day rock climbing, and I've never had a bad day training. Have I performed poorly? Absolutely. Have I sucked at climbing sometimes? Definitely. But I'm in the woods climbing rocks, or I'm at the gym working to better myself. I chose those things. What could possibly make me upset to be there? You failed on your project, lowered off, dejected, and then somebody warmed up on it. You suck. You'll never be good. You may as well quit. Don't be an idiot. That person was once where you are. That wasn't always their warm-up, and their project is someone else's warm-up. Don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. While I was projecting Transworld Depravity, the hardest route I've sent, I had the pleasure of watching a then-unknown Alex Magos flash it as a warm-up. I watched several friends send it much faster than I did. This didn't diminish at all the feeling I felt when I finally clipped the chains. There's another thing it didn't do. It didn't diminish the psych I felt at seeing a random person send their first 11B, which incidentally was my warm-up that day. They were inspired to see me climb and downclimb it without chalking, same as I was to watch a young, rosy-cheeked Magos walk Transworld Depravity a year prior. For the last couple of years, I've listened over and over to the album No Kings by one of my favorite hip-hop collectives, Doomtree. Its concept is simple, one we could all do well to live by. There are no kings. There are no peasants. Your battle on your project is no different than Sharma battling on first round, first minute, or Nale on his multi-year Lapnor project, which became Burden of Dreams. It's no different than a beginner slapping and clawing their way up their first 5-9. This is a personal struggle. If, for some reason, you believe that yours ranks higher than that of someone else, then your biggest struggle isn't on the rock at all. I've built machines. I've also built monsters. Frankly, I feel bad about it. Climbing can't be much fun when you're mostly concerned about how you compare to everyone else. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Brittany Hoffman, and I'm trapped in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also my my trusted and personal advisor in all things life and communication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have no that, official title for me. We, we do not know how to title set it up. Now. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> I deserve a raise based mm. on that title. No, I'm just kidding. You probably do anyway, actually. <laughs> you should talk to Lana about that. She pays everybody. <clears throat> okay, great. I'll talk to her later. <laughs> Schedule that in. Hey, Lana, give me a raise. <laughs> I don't know when she gives herself raises. So. Oh, my God. Really? That's knows, so funny. Who knows how much money she makes? No. <laughs> We, we discuss I it. love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess I was uh, preparing to talk to the wrong person the whole time. No, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. So this essay, uh, No Kings, No Way, was the title was based on uh, the concept from a Doomtree album. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much you've listened to Doomtree or if you ever Not have. Not at all. As as a Midwesterner, you should do so. Especially okay. Dessa, the female rapper, is okay. fucking incredible. Well, I will look into from it. From Doomtree. So you should do that. But anyway, well, what was it about this essay? You, um, between you, Lana, and myself, we've all seen these chapters probably more mm-hmm. than any other human. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you immediately wanted this one. I did without even thinking mm-hmm. through it. Um, f- a few reasons. Um, and, and I'm not even totally sure exactly why, but something did just come to mind as you were asking me that. But um, I remember when you gave me the really rough first um, edition of the mm-hmm. book and I was reading through all the essays, I think like that same night that you'd sent me the files and I remember so vividly getting to this essay and it just stopping me in my tracks. Not, I'm not totally sure why. I mean, there's this like level of introspection, but also level of um, kind of acknowledgement of particular patterns of behavior or just things that are very common in climbing. And I remember, well, I mean, I get emotional about everything, but I totally remember it making me emotional. And and it just occurred to me that you do talk about yourself a lot in the book and you put it in context of your own experience. But this felt specifically like a hard truth that was about Chris Hampton mm. and like you looking at the work that you've done and thinking like, but sometimes this sort of work does lead to more sort of toxicity and behavior and like yeah. how do it was like you were asking yourself the question of like, how do I value deconstructing that and making sure people know that I value that? And that's why it felt like a really important moment in the book to me, because, you know, there's a lot of lessons about climbing and about working hard and about discipline. But I think one thing we talked about really early on um, about power company in general is that being a better climber doesn't just mean being good at climbing. Right. It means being a better climber, a, a you know, a better uh, partner, a better person to have at the crag, a better person to be around and be in community with. Yeah. And I think this essay really speaks to that for me um, and is about community more than just practice. It definitely speaks to my struggle with um, if I if I am a voice in this community, do do I need to be perfect? Do mm-hmm. do I 
you know, if I'm doing something to build up some people and it goes overboard for some other people, Mm -hmm. am I responsible for that mistake of, you know, overblowing their egos, helping them get these overblown egos and then how they treat other climbers because of that? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I partly responsible for their value system that I don't agree with anymore? Right. Um, So it's definitely me struggling with that, you know, and, and saying, basically saying I'm doing the best I can, Mm -hmm. but I, but I want to learn how to do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that was what really spoke to me. I think I'm not actually a big self-help fan, like in general of like self-help books. I I don't seek them out and I don't like people telling me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you on that. (laughs) Um, I like people Mm -hmm. to tell me what they do. And then I decide if I think it would be a good idea for me or not. Um, But one thing that I really appreciate in, in any type of book that's offering advice is just kind of a brutally honest take. And I think this was kind of, and maybe for me, when I read this chapter, I was like, I feel really aligned with this company, like reading this and knowing like, this is something you're grappling with. Like, this is something you're thinking about. And not only that, this is something you're willing to put in your first book and say, I feel strongly enough about this issue or, or this complexity of my work that I need to say something about it, that I need to you to know I'm struggling with it. So I think it was just like a very big turning point for me, not just in um, the book, which I think it was. I think it really helped me have a better vision for where you were coming from with the book, but also um, helped me contextualize how you saw your own work and what Power Company really was too. Mm. That's great. I'm I'm glad that's what came through in it. Um, you know, there's a lot of this sort of uh, dichotomy that I wrestle with uh, when it comes to power company in general. You know, part of <clears throat> part of making media in the way that I do is often celebrating the wins or celebrating. Mm-hmm the, you know, the, the really strong, really good climbers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that sort of media can be really harmful. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can balance it out over time, you know, and I use mm-hmm. the word balance very lightly there. Um, <laughs> but over time, you can show all different aspects. Mm-hmm. But what if the only post that the Instagram algorithm shows to a person is right. the one that feels the worst to them, you know? Right. So I'm yeah. always thinking about these things, how to add nuance into internet posts and mm-hmm. into the book. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's funny, I was... I was thinking about the song the other day, No Kings, um, Mm -hmm. that this title came from. And Sims, one of the rappers in Doomtree, um, he says in in the song, there are two things that actually relate really well to this book and to this chapter in general. Number one, he says, 
you're so vain, you probably think it's about you. Well, it is, <laughs> and it ain't, and it ain't, but it is. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what the whole book is. Like, if it hurts your feelings and you feel like he's speaking mm-hmm. directly to me, well, mm-hmm. I wasn't writing to you, but I was, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then he also says, and this is funny, I looked up these lyrics and this, these aren't actually the lyrics. It's just what I've been saying for years. Um, <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe that the site I read the lyrics on is wrong and it's I'm cor- right. Correct. Yeah. But it sounds like he says, everybody's internet shit's all fucked. Yuck. <laughs> and, and hearing that part of the song again, while thinking about the context of this chapter, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of is all fucked and yuck, mm-hmm. you know, and we can, we can try to be as nuanced as we want and we should, uh, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. And it's really hard to do, you know, climbing media as an umbrella term, it's, you know, it's so vast now has dramatically changed since I started climbing. And, you know, now you have the representation of social media where people are creating their own brands, their own stories, their own narratives about climbing. And, you know, I get to pick and choose who I'm engaging with. But um, when I started climbing, there really weren't that many podcasts. And, you know, of the podcasts that I listened to, a lot of them were, like you you were saying, celebrating not just the wins, but kind of the biggest winners. Yeah. Um, And not talking about the more kind of, I guess, average person experiences in climbing. And that's another thing in this chapter I really like that it talks about, you know, being at the crag and being as excited for somebody else that they just climbed their first 11B as you felt on your project. And sometimes I feel like that's a sort of value in community that gets a little bit overlooked in climbing. Like Mm -hmm. we look at our friend projecting like 13B or whatever. And we're like, which is wait, it's a it, which is a Drew warm up, right? But um, that's not even a warm up anymore. Oh, oh, <laughs> warming up on fourteens. <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> but being able to kind of rid yourself of this superiority of grades or like superiority of accomplishment and saying like maybe that was quote unquote soft for me, but it was hard for them. They they had a new skill set they had to acquire. They challenged themselves in unique ways. They had to overcome fear too. And just because the grade looks different than mine or because I had a different experience on that route doesn't devalue the accomplishment that they've made. And I think that's something that we can all value a little bit more in the climbing experience. And especially as someone who spent a lot of time projecting 11b around people who are projecting 14a <laughs> yeah <laughs> and who are so supportive i mean right. it, it's not just external i mean the people i was around were so psyched for me and really taught me to do that for people who i was working with or mentoring who were you know mm-hmm. not at the same level i was um but there's still this internal battle of like well does it even matter if i'm not climbing 13a like does it right. even matter at that sure. point you know, should I even post about it on social media? Like who's right. going to care that I sent 11C or whatever, you know? So mm-hmm. I really appreciated that aspect. And I think that's something I'm always trying to like keep myself from. I love, I love climbing because I love challenging myself. And I love this idea that there's like 
it's going to take a long time before I reach a real plateau where there's not going to be a lot of room for growth. But I also think it's hard to balance that and also valuing kind of being in a certain um, uh, level of climbing that you don't see a lot of people being Mm -hmm. celebrated at. So that was another thing in here that I, that, that really spoke to me a lot. I think it's worth saying also that, you know, really like delineating that, that sort of support goes both directions, you know, Mm -hmm. it's that day that I was writing about, you know, which is an entirely true story of Mm -hmm. warming up on this 11B, up, down, climbing it. I was kind of speed climbing it and Mm -hmm. not chalking on purpose because that's what I needed to do on my project. I need to climb faster than my normal pace. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to just move as quick as possible. And I'm practicing that on my warmups before Mm -hmm. I go to the project. And this person who was projecting that thing, it did not deter them at all, you know? Yeah. And it can, you know, if you watch somebody crush your project, it's very easy to get in your feelings about that and take it personal. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and this person did not do that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. So I got to be just as psyched watching them. And then Mm -hmm. I walk over to my project, which is one of the harder routes at the crag. Mm -hmm. And there's this young kid you know, who's like, do you mind if I try? And I'm like, I know everybody who's worked on this route who is currently working on this route. This mm-hmm. kid is not. He's going to mm-hmm. be on this for fucking ever working totally. it out. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, oh, I need a long rest. So cool. Go ahead. You know, I didn't I didn't say that out <laughs> loud. I just said, sure, uh-huh. you know, try it. And then I watched this kid just fucking float it like it was his <laughs> warm up. And it was his warm up. You know, mm-hmm. and turns mm-hmm. out the kid is, you know, now one of the probably one of the two best climbers on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd never heard of him at the time. Mm-hmm. But rather than let it get me down, I just got really excited to have seen what's possible. You know, totally. Yes. It, so it has to go both ways, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It has to yeah, be. Yeah, there has to be value in, in, yeah, in accomplishments on both sides, definitely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't feel superior to that person projecting the 11B and Mm -hmm. Alex Magos didn't feel superior to me. You know, he was Mm -hmm. gracious and offered beta on other things later in the day and was just Mm -hmm. excited, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was the same when that person watched me climb the 11B and when I watched Alex climb my project. So, you know, something that just occurred to me, because I was thinking about how I was very much on that kind of superiority trajectory, um, I think before I got really injured. And, um, you know, I wonder if so much uh, of it comes from like, am I going to be a part of this community of people I really want to be around? Right. And feeling like, and I've had so many climbers express that to me too. Like, why are they hanging out with me? Like, I don't climb the same level that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, this feeling that like there's some, you have to qualify somehow or or your value is in being able to share beta or be on the same project as someone else when it's like 
you want to be around people you really enjoy. And so it feels like, okay, in order to do that, I have to keep up. So I think that there's this very human, like, it's not just about wanting to be better than everyone else. It's also want about wanting to be accepted and like be a part of every, you know, be a part of something. But I think when I was, uh, really injured. I um, had compartment syndrome and um, nerve entrapment in both elbows. And I went two full years without really climbing. I mean, I I did a few things like I would climb a 5.8, but my entire mindset about climbing just changed so dramatically because a day I could get on a 5.8 and go all the way to the top without letting go was the biggest accomplishment Mm. because it felt like maybe someday I'll be able to climb again. And like I'm outside and it's beautiful out and I'm with people I really like and I can let go whenever I want. But you're also the person with everybody else who's like, okay, you guys have fun projecting the same route four or five times. I'm going to climb one thing twice and just hang out today. <laughs> you know, And just having to be okay being that person while also feeling this immense sense of accomplishment just from being able to climb one or two things, I think really adjusted my mindset and made me feel like, oh, I can be involved in a part of other people and involved with other people I really look up to or um, or, or love in climbing. Um, even though I'm essentially not a climber right now. (laughs) Right. I think you're exactly right. You know, that a lot of this does stem from this desire to belong Mm -hmm. to this community. And, you know, when you're an adult, um, particularly when you're an adult, though the communities that you have access to sort of narrows you know Mm -hmm. you've got yeah you've got your work community a lot most people do Mm -hmm. you know and then then what right you know it's the softball league you know that's there aren't many it's not like you're you're in all these social circles and you know most of us Mm -hmm. aren't anyway um Mm -hmm. we get caught up in responsibilities and trapped in adulthood and Mm -hmm. and this is a community you know, yes. um, mm-hmm. so we do want to belong. And I think, you know, that brings us back to what you and I discussed in the introduction in that we really wanted this book to be, to not exclude mm-hmm. people um, mm-hmm. of any kind. And, mm-hmm. you know, while it's not, while it's not nearly on the same level as Mm-mm. representation of, mm-hmm. you know, based on race or, Mm -hmm. you know, gender or sexual orientation or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. also a need to, to include people who climb five, eight. Absolutely. Because we very often don't, we We, don't, we end up talking about the bigger grades and I'm, I'm guilty of this in a lot of Mm -hmm. cases. So when Mm -hmm. I have the chance and, you know, like, again, like we talked about in the introduction, this is something that I've really taken from our relationship is when I have the chance, I can include those people in the way that I write and the way that I talk Mm -hmm. on the podcast. So, yeah. And there's an audience for it and there's people really hungry to hear about that, I think. Yeah. You know, and to hear their experience in that 
realm represented. It's it's important. And it's also important to set examples, um, you know, once you are a bit more of an experienced climber of like examples of mentorship that like my group isn't just everyone who climbs hard at the gym that I bring outside with me. Like my group is people of all backgrounds and experiences and uh, you know, levels of climbing. And that actually makes for a more fun, <laughs> more uh, interesting, more creative community, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, Britt, thank you for for being such a big part of this book, um, for being such a big part of this company and where it's headed and helping steer it. Um even if you don't know you're doing that, you are <laughs> I <didn't know> that. <laughs> absolutely helping, you know, helping me steer in the directions I want to go and may not know how to get there. Sure. Um, that's been, that's been huge for me. So thanks. Well, thank you. This is being involved in this is really one of the greatest accomplishments um, ever. I will, I will never forget the moment that I, um, not just in in the book, but Empower Company too. But I will never forget the moment my mom finally saw my name in the book, and it, it, she was really like, it was so funny. I'd been talking about it forever, and she saw my name in a book, and she was like, "Did you guys? Hey, Brittany was like helped on a book. Did you know that?" <laughs> so. I love it. I love it. Yeah. There, there will be more. I guarantee. There will be more. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, selective learning, the short-sighted approach. We don't tweet, we scream like eagles.